It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. you let me go down in my dreams and rock up by sweet baby James now that is how you finish a legends mission you did good son oh, right back at you dad I learned it from you Nathaniel Primers into this issue 125 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the show, uh, the spotlight here. I still got to get used to that. Uh, I still call it the Showcast Spotlight, but it is the spotlight now on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Captain Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. For the second week in a row, Rob and I are face-to-face while recording this podcast, which is... Uh, it won't be happening all the time. No, <laughs> it really won't. I mean, the audio quality is definitely a little bit different, but still... Perfectly fine. It's, we're not complaining. Oh yeah. It's just we uh, we decided to do some more gaming today after our day yesterday. So yeah, uh, it's it's been a, honestly the last past week. Uh, last Sunday, right after we finished recording, we played Fireball Island, which was a ton of fun. Yes, uh, I backed that and ended up having the full set. So uh, super excited to play more of that again today. And uh, we were at PAX all this weekend. Uh, I was there I was there Friday and Saturday. You were there yesterday. I was there yesterday, yeah, on Saturday. PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, which uh, for anybody who's in the world of tabletop gaming, uh, is kind of your mecca. It, this is the the show at this point. I yeah. mean, everybody talks about the Spiel des Jahres over in the UK. 
um, you know, uh, Essen um, being another big, huge uh, one out there, um, you know, and Gen Con being the other big place. But PAX, I have a feeling, give it one more year, that will be because this is only its second convention. year. Yeah, um, and it's it. Well, PAX has been around for a while, but PAX Unplugged yeah. is only its second year. It's only in Philadelphia, right? Which I think is great for us because it's exclusive to here. And if you hear this weird rattling in the background, it's because my cat is playing with a toy, yeah. and he will probably not stop. So, well, he was making noise last week too, which he but it's fine. Yeah, it it adds character to the podcast. It does. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was my first time ever going to PAX. I'm it, compared to everybody else in our group, I'm relatively new to the world of tabletop gaming. So, and we got to play a lot. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I ended up buying one of the ones that we played too. Yeah, yeah, that was and it was quite quite fantastic. And it just came out, so which is um, Brandon Sanderson's book series, Mistborn. Yeah, which um, is nice. Which um, everybody, the three of the people that we were at the table with, my wife being one of them, were all huge Mistborn fans, and they all were smiling and laughing as certain things were happening. So I kind of feel like I need to read the book series before after I play it again. <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was a great it was a great uh great experience. It was only one day for me and there was a lot of people there yesterday. So. Um I would say it felt like the Saturday attendance almost doubled in size from last year. Um and I have a feeling this show is going to grow and it's going to grow fast. Yeah. Um, but thankfully the Pennsylvania uh, well the Philadelphia Convention Center um is, there's still a ton of room left in that building. They have all the space in the world to let that show grow. Yeah. So. Exactly. And it's I mean it was fun because it was one of those things that, you know, I got to play a lot of games I had never played before. We we sat down at tables and played with people who we had never met, but were just there for the same reason, which was tabletop gaming. And, and which is a great, it's a great icebreaker to yeah. learn and to learn to meet new people and just have a good time. And it's it's that weird, fun kind of like icebreaker co-op thing that you get to do. Yeah. Um, but it was perfect. It was yeah. a really great, wonderful time. And then we wrapped up the night with like about 20 of us going to dinner in Philadelphia at which a place was, called Tiernanog, which was, let me tell you, I made the mistake of ordering two potato meals, which was not a good idea. No. I got those truffle french fries, which were, oh my God. And then you got the brisket poutine. And then I got the short rib poutine, which was, (laughs) holy crap, was just fantastic. And I couldn't finish it, but I didn't care. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, honestly, it was a a great, great weekend. Um, And after we wrap up this, of course, we're going to continue and play more board games. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's a great way to unwind on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. All right. But let's jump into things. We have four shows to talk about this week. And, of course, if you are not familiar with the uh, with the format at this point or you are new to the podcast, uh, how we do things is we will go through and give each of the four episodes our one to three point ranking sidekick, hero, or legend. Uh, sidekick being sucked. <laughs> hero being, oh, it was good. And legend being, it blew us away. And then we will jump back to the beginning and we will break down the episodes. So... Starting first with Supergirl, Season 4, Episode 7. Rob, what do you give this week's episode, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Gonna give it a hero. Um, it, was a, it was a good episode, but I didn't feel like it accomplished anything uh, by the end of it. Well, with the exception of uh, movement of one character that we knew was going to move in that direction even further, which was Manchester Black. And I do have a prediction on Manchester Black, which I'm curious to what you're going okay. to say to it. But I gave it a hero as well. Um, mint to high level hero. It's yeah. not a bad episode. Mm-hmm. I, there wasn't a bad episode at all this week, if, in my opinion. No, but, no, not at all. Uh, no, mint to lot, mint to high hero for me as well. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Arrow season seven, episode seven, sidekick hero or legend. 
Um, honestly, if there was something higher than the legend, it would have got it. Yeah. Um, it was one of, I would say it's probably in the top three best episodes of Arrow of all time. It is, it is an episode of Arrow I have watched three times. I've watched three times this week alone, and I probably will end up watching it again. And honestly, I will tell you this, Neil, there's one shot alone that happens in that episode that's a, probably a shot that lasts for almost a full minute with some of the best camera movement I've ever seen I, with one of the best trackings of an action scene I've ever I seen. I have the note of that too because that's one of my favorite scenes of that as well. And that, that James Banford directed the hell out of that episode. Yes, he did. And there was... I think you're right. I think out of the seven seasons that we've got... Well, six seasons and seven episodes we've got of this series, that's in a top five episodes ever yeah. of this show. Great. Amazing job. Amazing yeah. job. Absolute legend. I have legend with like five exclamation points. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 4, Episode 6, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I'm actually going to give this a legend. I am too. Um, <laughs> I am too. It was, I was a little concerned at first at the beginning of the episode because I was not sure how I felt about Mona's character, but by the end of it, I really enjoy her a lot. And you know what? Out of everything that was going on in the episode between, you know, the story of with Nate and Hank in, back in France in 1920s and the Mona, Ava, and Nora... That was actually my favorite part of the episode, by uh, the end. Yeah, but, I mean, it was... Uh, and honestly, Tom Wilson was so much fun. Yes. But I, Ernest Hemingway and <laughs> all that stuff this week, all of it was great. Yeah, uh, legend for me as well. And last, we have The Flash, Season 5, Episode 7, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? It's getting a hero for me. Yeah. Um, not a bad episode. Uh, definitely a middling hero, though, I think, this time around. You think uh, middling hero? Uh, mid, I'd say mid to high, uh, okay. but not anything that's ever... I, I never questioned legend in my brain when I watched that episode. The idea of doing the Weather Witch stuff was, meh. I, I have some story indiscrepancies that I noticed in this episode that uh, we'll get to when we start to break it down. So it didn't get a legend for me as well, but it's a, it's, it's a high hero. Yeah. I, I still have, I still enjoyed the episode. I, I think it was a breather in... In preparation for what we're going to get this week. Yes. So. I, I agree with that completely. And we have some news about our episode next week as well. Awesome. We don't uh, have a solidified time and date yet, but we're going to have a guest next week. Which, yes. uh, it's it's been confirmed he will be joining us. But we have a returning friend. We'll say it that way. Yeah, we have a returning friend. And it hasn't, we don't have a date and time yet confirmed, but uh, it has been 100% confirmed he will be joining us. Actually, can, what's this say? Yeah. Uh, John Wesley Ship's coming John back. John Wesley Ship is coming back to the podcast next week, which is, uh, we, I reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to talk the crossover with us, and I think he might even play a part in the 100th episode next week. I would not be surprised if we, we see him come across, uh, across the two. So I'm hoping we get to talk to him post-crossover, but if we get to catch him in between, that'll be exciting as well. But uh, regardless, I, I'm really excited to be able to talk to John again. Now, yeah. I might not be able to be a part of it, but regardless, Ben will be there uh, leading the charge on that, you know, with whatever happens, but... Um, he was such a fascinating person to talk to, and one of the nicest people I've ever and, talked and to. The, and the best part about it was when I reached out to his rep, um, I reached out to his rep and I said, hey, I'm like, I don't know if you remember us, you know, we had John on for our 100th episode celebration, and he, he wrote me back and he's like, he's like, absolutely, he's like, I remember you guys, he's like, John had a blast when he came on to talk to you last time. So I, I replied, I said, yeah, I said, well, you know, with John being a part of the crossover, I'd, we'd love to have him back on to talk the crossover. And he's like, all right, he's like, let me talk to John and see what he says. And within 20 minutes, he got back to me with like a yes in all caps and like five exclamation points. He's like, John would love to come back on and talk about the crossover. 
Awesome. So I, we're really anticipating. It's just a matter of we got to work it out with John's schedule. And I think he has to clear it with Warner Brothers uh-huh. to see if it's going to be before or after the crossover. Right. And that's, like I said, so you'll definitely be hearing some of the next two weeks. Man, you guys are going to get three really big episodes coming up. Yeah, we're talking uh-huh. about... We've got Flash episode 100, the following, uh, well, and then we've got part one of the Legends of Tomorrow mid-season finale coming this week. Yep. Next week, we've got the crossover after that with the season finale of, or mid-season finale Legends of Tomorrow. And then the week after that is all the mid-season finales of well, shows, isn't that it? That and a review of Aquaman. Oh, that's right. Holy crap, we have some busy weeks coming up. So, uh, be And then we jump into Titans. And then we got Titan stock coming, yeah. guys. So, uh, it should be a really fun next couple of weeks on the show. Yeah. So the rest of the year, rest of the year is going to be a lot of fun. It will, it will. So, uh, but let's go back and start talking about these episodes and breaking them down. Starting first with Supergirl, Season 4, Episode 7, Rather the Fallen Angel. James falls in deeper with the Children of Liberty in his efforts to meet Agent Liberty. Meanwhile, Supergirl and Manchester Black follow a lead on Agent Liberty's location. But things take, uh, see full summary. Oh, no, I have to click see full summary in order to see the rest of it. Uh, but things take a dark turn. Lena kicks off her first set of trials. So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple different elements that we could jump into. And I think the easiest one to jump into first because... Get Lena's story out of the yeah, way? Yeah, get Lena's out of the way with the Hemdell experiment because there's really... There's not a lot to break down. It's more of a personal growth... Yeah, a personal story for Lena over anything else, and we get a little bit more on her character. Like you know, um, you know, it's been mentioned in the past that she's been adopted by the Luthers, and yeah. this we get a little bit of a story about like her history with her mom, who we know officially passed away when she was about the age of four, mm-hmm. and something that she really beats herself up for the fact that she didn't or wasn't able to do anything about the situation. Yeah. Um, but I was a little, I thought this was a waste of airtime. I, I, it was for me too, and in all honesty, I watched Supergirl closer to when it aired, and then I rewatched it again last night. And all of the scenes with Lena, in order to help me expedite getting through the episode, I kind of skipped because there really wasn't. You saw it, if you saw it the first time, there really was no reason to see it again. Well, I think one of the big key reasons too is the Adam character, uh, which was the first te- test subject for mm. the Harrenel project. Um, so uh, yeah, Harrenel. I don't know why I called it Hemdel. That's uh-huh. a character from Thor. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said that. I'm like, I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, that's no, um, a character from Thor. So with the Harrenel project, you know, we get this back and forth of this guy Adam, whom we find out, you know, he's he's this candidate that could could have been a really interesting hero. By the end of this, and I'm like, oh, they did a great job of building him up. And you see this project happen later on in the episode. And then, you know, you see the Harinel liquid going into his body. And then we go to a couple other action scenes. And then we cut back to Lena in her office. And like, well, the subject's dead. Yeah. And I'm like, what was the purpose of any of this? I think, I think again, it was more for a character. It was a character growth for it Lena. It was a character growth for Lena. But it... I don't think it added much to her character. Like, we it, already know some of those pieces of her. If anything else, though, I think what it kind of did to Lena's character was it kind of numbed her a little bit. So I now she's so. going to be able to continue with this experiment, having already gotten that first death of it, of the human trials, out of the way. I think I think you're right. I think there's a high chance of that. And we do see her kind of give James the cold shoulder by the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, so... Very curious to see the direction she's going to shift, especially knowing that John Cryer's coming in as Lex Luthor later on, and hearing what Kevin Smith said last week, saying that he's going to be a very dark version of that character. And I'm wondering if there's going to be some uh, some shift in Lena's character into a darker tone 
by the end of the season because of Lex's involvement and because of what we saw in this episode. And I can very likely see that happening, especially considering the fact that I think at this point, Luther's still in, Lex is still in prison. Right. So I think that's where we're going to see Lex is probably behind glass in prison, kind of like how we've been seeing Oliver this season. I think basically they're bringing him in just to kind of maybe dig her into that hole. She's going to visit Lex in prison. So we're going to see a face-to-face with Lena and Lex. And I think they're literally just bringing in Luther to kind of darken her character a little bit. And I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with that. But, I mean, I don't know if we're going to see Lena. I still actually, um, as much as I kept saying, it's like, oh, this is where she's going to go bad. This is she's going to go bad. I still don't think she's going to go bad. I just think she's going to become a very morally gray character. Yeah. Because that was one of the big things that was brought up when we shift the story to the other place was... Even Manchester Black talking to Supergold and saying, the world is not black and white. There's a lot of gray. Yeah. And even John... And gray brings, area is a big and theme of this week. John, in, in John brings show. that up to her, too. Yeah. And we see James cross that line. Uh, we see a very broken uh, John Jones Which by the end of the kind episode. of broke me as a viewer. Um a it, little bit. It was that first real break of his yeah. character. Even more so than when his father died. Like, yeah. And... He's had a lot of weight carrying on him, and this was his chance to do something great with what his father gave him, and him feeling like he failed. Well, not only that, but I mean, this is—I mean—we're kind of transitioning into another part of the story, which is fine because I think we've we've yeah. covered. We said I think everything we can say about the latest yeah. story. So seeing John break down at the end of that episode kind of broke me because you're seeing a man who, since he has come to this planet, has tried to see nothing but the good in people, which is why he took over control of the DEO, which is why he. You know, he he left to kind of help all these other aliens that are in trouble after leaving the DEO. And he's for the first time seeing that the world is really broken. And it's breaking his heart. And you see that breakdown in him because of that. And man, David Harewood is, is, and I think always will be the MVP of the show. I don't yeah. think anybody's ever going to top his, his abilities to emote on screen. I think he just... Knocks out of the park every opportunity. He and that gets. was a worry we had when we found out he was stepping down from control of the DEO. Was we were like, well, I hope we're not going to get any less John. I think we're getting even more John now because it's a completely different and way. We're, and we're getting John in a way that's kind of pulling back those layers we haven't been too sure if we were ever going to see. And everybody always says, Martian Manhunter is the heart of the Justice League. Man, you're seeing that growth happen here. And I'm really happy to say that. I think if I can make a prediction about John. I think we're going to see this heartbreak turn to anger very quickly. I, I do too. And it's going to be focused on Manchester Black. I, I, I think we, we've seen who his rival is going to be. Yes. And I'm really excited about I that. am too. Especially considering where I think they're going with Manchester Black's character. Okay. Should I make this yeah. prediction now? Yeah, please go for it. By the end of the episode... Now, there is a moment in the, in the episode where we see... Obviously, we see James's gauntlet that he gets given to him, and it's literally a bracelet that he wears that turns into this massive shield. We saw that with Manchester this week, too. It looked like he slapped his chest, so there was either something already on his chest, or there was something in his hand that he kind of put in And his we chest, see him armor up. And he armors up. And that was cool. That looked great. That was really awesome. By the end of the episode, we see him outside of Lockwood Steel. I think they're turning him into Steel. I think they're going to transition him into the Steel Superman. Except it's not going to be Steel Superman. They're just He's just going to call himself Steel. Well, Steel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's the John Hunter. Uh, you know what? Mm. I'm going to disagree with you on that okay. one. Okay. I don't, because I think you've got a really strong character with John Henry Irons to begin with. I don't think they're going to do that. 
I think they're going to be very, very careful because they... We've met John Henry Irons already, haven't we? No. We haven't. We okay. haven't met John Henry Irons in the Arrowverse at all. Okay. I think maybe... It, we may have heard his name dropped before. It sounds Again, yeah. we've got a lot of seasons and a lot of shows to <laughs> yeah. kind of put that together in our heads, but I think because he's such a prolific character uh, that... I'm, th- I'm thinking the death of Superman animated series, animated yeah. movie. We, but we I, I think it's because he's such a strong character and he's such a good representation, uh, you know, for the comic universe of kind of like, hey, not all heroes are just these white guys running around. He's a perfect representation of like, no, and you can be anything. Everybody is any. It can be yeah. whatever. Like that's true. He's a guy that was working in a steel mill originally. Then he became this phenomenal scientist and became an awesome hero. Like. Steel yeah. was such a great. Hero. I loved. I loved Steel when, when in the Reign of Superman. He's I, such I a great character. Steel. He's such a, such a great character. Okay, so maybe, and okay. I, I don't think they're going to muddy those waters, especially because that show knows how badly it screwed up Cyborg Superman that we haven't seen that character again since. That's true. So I think for them to keep pulling in these type of characters, I think they're going to be very cautious about it. And if they're going to do it, I think they're going to do it very right. So why do we think he went to Lockwood Steel then? By the end, do we think maybe he's going to? Don a mask of his own just to kind of blend in with the Children of Liberty? Uh, I think there's a high potential, but I think it was him. That was more him tilting off because we don't see him come face to face with Ben Lockwood. No, he thought he was going to, but... But I'm pretty sure it's the fact that Manchester Black pretty much has figured out who who he is. Who that character is. Okay, all right, that makes a little little sense. And I think we're going to see him take that hard turn of who that character really is. Uh, and well, we are already seen it. I think it's it's going to be very forward facing now. Okay, uh, that it's like nope, straight up, this dude is a vigilante and an antihero in the biggest way possible, and is going to kind of shift into that villain territory. But they bring up his character. No, he is a gray, gray, gray. Oh yeah, I mean, you look at the fact that he was willing to turn in Supergirl in order just to meet, yeah, meet Agent Liberty, and then by the end when they didn't hold up their end of the deal. He lets Supergirl go. Yeah. Uh, he very, very much so rides the blurred line. And, you know, in, in the way that a lot of great characters do. Like, I one of my favorite characters of all time is Jason Todd. Because, and, you know, and Bucky Barnes is a Winter Soldier when he first came back. Well, he's, he's basically, Manchester Black is becoming the Punisher of the Supergirl universe. And... And there's nothing wrong with that. And at that's all. the type of character he is. Yeah. And if if that's how they're going to do it for the Arabic stuff, do it up. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Agreed lean into it. Lean into it hard because the actor is killing it. He is doing such a phenomenal job, and I love. Oh, we loved him, him from the first episode he showed up. I, yeah, he's great. I, I thoroughly love him, and I love his interaction with everybody he plays off of. Yeah. He's doing a, kill, a killer. job. But I, I am really looking forward to where him and the John story is is going to lead because yeah. I think that's going to be one of the most predominant and interesting stories to follow. Uh, I would actually not be surprised if the Ben Lockwood character and Agent Liberty maybe goes bye-bye and gets killed off sometime this season and our big bad is actually Manchester Black. That could be interesting. I didn't even think about that. I mean, even if Ben Lockwood dies, the Agent Liberty movement is picked up all the steam. It doesn't matter who's under that mask. It's a symbol. It's yeah. It's not a person. It's a symbol. Mm-hmm. So I mean, anybody could don that mask. And yeah, if they want to, they they could have. It doesn't have to be the lockdown with Ben Lockwood. They could have G. Gordon Godfrey, who That's from true. yeah from the DC universe, spouting all this hate. Speak the same as Ben Lockwood. It's not going to matter. Yeah. Uh, and even if Ben 
steps away from being Agent Liberty. He's like, nope, I set up what I want to do. I'm just, I set up the chess pieces. We're going to watch I'm go- the movie. I'm going back to my family and just watching the world burn. And I'm just going to speak about it on TV and kind of throw some shade. But it, Manchester Black being the big bad from here on out, that makes this even better. And if you think about it, too, even some, even most of the Children of Liberty don't know who Agent Liberty is. Which is perfect. Yeah. And I think... So anybody could fill that role. What? And even the agents, even the agent, Children of Liberty would have no idea that it's a different person. Yeah, what Supergirl's doing I think is phenomenal. I yeah. think they have, out of all the shows right now, they have the best ongoing story. Um, I think that has been set up so far this season for what we're watching. Because there hasn't been a... As we've seen in the other stories, like Legends hasn't even really set up their story yet. Yeah, we've got the little inkling, but that's about it. Yeah, and I think they're going to go full bore into it when they return in April. Well, I think we're going to get we're going to get the, the, the lead of it. The, yeah, yeah, in this season, but it's the mid-season finale. Yeah. So, and then they'll go full bore into it in April, which right. is which is you know how they they usually work anyway. Legend or Flash and Arrow, we've kind of gotten those. They're filler. taking their time. We've gotten those filler episodes already, like one or two that are kind of filling. But you're right, Supergirl from start to now, they haven't wasted a single episode. Yeah, every episode has been part of this this progressing story, and, and it's, it's been, been it's, it's, yeah, it's been fantastic. And I don't see how they can screw this one up. Don't say that. <laughs> don't, <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. I shouldn't. But I have a feeling that when we talk at the end of this year, and we do our or not this year, but when we do our our. Um, our wrap up for this year's shows mm-hmm. and we do our annuals, Supergirl's gonna walk away as our favorite. Okay. I, have, I have a gut feeling that there's a high chance of that. And I think for just general fun, Legends is probably gonna be that show again, but I think for the Creme de la Creme show this year, uh, that we're gonna walk away from, it's gonna be Supergirl. I have an interesting question to ask you, but I'm gonna wait until we're done all four shows. Okay. Cause I thought about it this morning actually, and I was like, I should pose that to Rob. But I'll wait. I'll wait until we're done. Let's get through the breakdowns first. Sure. Um, anything else about Supergirl? I think we covered most of it. I mean, the James stuff, yeah, it really You kind of ju- predicted it. I mean, you yeah. predicted that he was going to be led, kind of conned into doing something that yeah. they're going to make him believe it was one thing and it was something complete. It was, and it wasn't even, it was kind of like, he's like, no, he just didn't want somebody to die. And he got conned into the situation. So it was pretty close on the mark yeah, with where I mean, it went. And they didn't release the video. So... Well, because they couldn't. It didn't work out the way they wanted it. Exactly. But, I mean, they still have something that they can use if they want later. Um, but, you know, it really didn't do anything except for he's going to have to defend himself. But the same way we saw him have to already defend himself last week. Yeah. So, I think they need to do some work on James's character. He's, I think, right now, unfortunately, I hate to say it, kind of the weak link this season. Okay. Um, but, it, even still, it's not that bad. No, it's really so, not. I'm they're still, still doing fun things with this character. I'm still, I'm still really enjoying what they're doing with this character. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so I think that's probably pretty much, I think that's everything I have for this episode, too. Uh, next week, uh, or rather, this week, uh, season four, episode eight, Bunker Hill, is a big Nia Nall week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna find out. Nia, ha- Nia has a powerful dream. Nia. Uh, Nia has a powerful dream about Agent Liberty, but refuses to look at it as a prolific dream and pushes it aside after noticing something is bothering, after noticing something is bothering, oh god, they have this written horribly. Uh, is bothering Nia. Kara lists Brainy's help, and the two try to persuade Nia to embrace her destiny. So, so we're going to see her become Dreamer. Yes, next, this next is, week. I think this is going to be a big Nia uh, Dreamer episode. Which well, is, uh, I'm all for it. Yep. I'm looking forward to seeing that move. So, probably going to be a little bit of a break from the main story, but it looks like they're because she's having the the dreams of Agent Liberty. They're still going to incorporate it into the Nia storyline, which is cool. Yeah, that's a great way to tie it together. I'm looking at something now. We're going to jump into Arrow, Season 7, Episode 7, The Slab Side Redemption. 
Oliver makes a choice that will affect his entire life as well as the lives of everyone he cares about. We mentioned this was directed by James Banford, which you could watch this episode and know Banford directed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, IMDb has this episode rated out of 10, 9.8. Perfect. This is a near-perfect episode. And I know where that point two problem comes into play. <laughs> I know, because you brought it up to me last night when we were talking and about And I'm just going to bring it up as a joke. Uh, and I really don't hate this person or character. <laughs> um, it's just, I just thought it was funny, and that was about it. Um Get that 0.2%. It's because, of course, the last sequence that you see... The only moment that you see any of the OTA or NTA in the very end of the episode is John and Felicity. And Felicity has 30 seconds of screen time. Is What does she do? Cry. Cries. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding, guys. I know a ton of you out there that listen to the show are Elicity fans. And I, I, I do think their character relationship has worked. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny still. Yeah, so. I do. I do too. <laughs> so. But I mean, as as great as this episode is, it's really, really straightforward. There's not a lot to break down. I mean, there's um, a couple actually, things worth mentioning, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean, I've got one big opinion about this after this episode, for sure. Of the show or of this episode? Of the itself? show. Okay. Which, well, what, let's jump into that. What's the opinion? That I think they should scrap and scrub all the other characters that exist right now, and the show should purely only be Bronze Tiger and Green Arrow, and that's it. Okay. I want to change the show name to Hard Traveling Heroes or anything <laughs> like that. And you know what? I just want to watch the two of them just, just hero it up, and because they played off each other amazingly. Yes, they did. Yeah. Michael Jai White and Amel. Just rocked on screen. They were awesome. I f- absolutely, I, I almost, I, you know, we try to keep this clean. And uh, it's really hard for me not to be like, <laughs> that was the effing best thing I've yeah. ever seen. It was, I, I mean, love them together. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love, uh, you know, Michael J. Michael J. White is fantastic. Uh, Vinnie Jones is fantastic. Cody Rhodes is fantastic. Or Cody Reynolds, however he goes by now. Um, you know, this was pure... This was Arrow to its core. This was really just pure, like, there was no other characters involved other than Felicity. This was a season finale. Yeah. This This was season finale caliber, and this was episode seven? Yeah. Where do you go from here? I don't know, and that's what worries me. And because there is a moment that I I think there's definitely going to be a little bit of contention with Oliver and Felicity going forward. Because we do get that moment with Diaz at the end. And I know there's a lot of... I'm, I'm jumping from point to point. It's okay. Uh, let me start. Let me go back to where okay, I was. Okay, here's that. Here, here's the short version for everybody. This is the prison break episode, essentially. Yeah. And Oliver, no, right off the bat, we know he's getting released. Chaos right ensues. Okay, let's get back to our talking point. <laughs> so just the, But just the fact that Oliver's getting, literally getting released within a matter of hours. Right. And knowing the fact that Diaz is now in the prison, because let's be real, it takes a massive cojones for someone like Diaz to walk in there, go to the visitation, especially considering everybody knows who Diaz is, and it's just a hoodie that's hiding him. So it takes a lot of balls for him to do that, and especially, and then to infiltrate the prison, to kill Oliver in prison. Made him a scary villain for the first yes. time. And it, it's just, it. there's, oh my god, I'd like, I'm... Starting to get flustered now, just talking about it. And then Diaz inciting the inciting the riot in the prison. For Oliver to know that he's literally getting released in a matter of hours, it means so much to him to stop Diaz that he's willing to throw all of that away 
simply by not escaping prison, just breaking out of his jail cell. Yeah. And oh, his MacGyver moment was his, fantastic. And but that made me that made me chuckle a little bit too because when you see like he opens the soap and he gets the battery and everything else, I'm like, okay, Oliver had a plan for this in case this happened. And so in case something horrible went in wrong. In case something went wrong, he he could have gotten out of there at any point. And it makes his character that much better. And and even more so because you believe it. Yeah. And that's the thing is like you're like you can't can't be a fan of this show. And see that and Mike, what, what, where did that come from? You would never think that. Mike, nope, that's Oliver. Yeah. He would have planned for this. And what even, what I loved even more so was the next moment after he breaks out of the jail cell, the, the following moment even built more to, to the legitimacy of Oliver being as badass as he is, is the fact that when the guard came over and approached him, you could see that look of, oh shit, this is about to happen. Uh-huh. Like he looks, he has the fear of God in his face with Oliver standing in front of him. It's like, you want to step away. And he's like, can't do that. And I'm like, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. And it's, it just, everything goes tits up real quick. Yeah. Um, and it's, man. Um, and it's, it's this is going to be a shorter conversation. And it's, it's sad to say because, but I mean, what can you say about an episode that is this Fight scene after fight scene after fight scene. Well, let's talk about the fight scene I know we both want to talk okay, about. Okay, so... Because there's... Well, we got to get to a couple points that okay. lead, lead us to that point. So, like I said... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for for those of you who are wondering how we get Diaz in the prison, like I said, we know that he's getting set to slab side because of what the exchange, the prisoner exchange essentially is yeah. going to be. Which also leads us to believe last week he got caught on purpose. Yes. This was part of his master plan. Right. Yeah. And like I said, we see him arrive at slab side... You know, he paid off a guard with a obscene amount of money, mm-hmm. uh, which that guard nail wipes out a lot of security transfer for the prison transfer to get him into slab side. Mm-hmm. So he had his way in. So he had his plan as well. Um, you know, we see that interrogation scene and, and man, Kirk and Amel just, just had an amazing sequence there. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize because I never can say his last name properly. I, I think it's As- Asvito. Uh, Asvito, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's his last yeah, name. Yeah. Um, so their, their playoff of each other was really fantastic. So when we see Oliver actually get to the point of the breakout and we know that Diaz is going to wipe the prison pretty much clean, pretty much not mattering if he kills everybody or even if he dies in the process, mm-hmm. all he wants to do is kill Oliver with no regard for his own life. And we see that very clearly yeah. that he doesn't care if he dies in this mess. He's like, if I'm dying, you're dying. And yeah. that's, that's very much it. Um, but when we do get the full prison break, when Diaz releases all the, the prisoners and basically we get this mass riot, um, you know, Bronze Tiger, we still see him in the hole. And before Oliver, you know, goes through, gets to the point where he's like, I'm getting out. And he realizes that Stanley was the killer and killed the guard and killed a whole bunch of other people. You know, he even openly goes to him before the riot even ensues and like, I will make this right for you. I will get and, you out of this. And I think that scene is very important because yeah. that scene, without that scene, Bronze Tiger stepping up to help Oliver, like, get through the riot and stop people, it wouldn't have made much sense. It would have been like, okay, why did he do this? Like, Oliver just accused him of murder, got him locked up. Like, why is he helping him? And I think that scene is very important with Oliver saying, I'm going to make this right. Not just I'm going to make this right. But when he tells him, I remember you saving Lila's life, I know you may not be the hero you could have been, but there's still a chance you There's a hero inside you. There's still a hero inside of you. 
Here yes. Within. Yes. Check out herewithinstore.com. <laughs> our good friend Tony Kim. <laughs> oh, that's true. Nice tie-in. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Free press. But yeah, but without that moment, there's some of that. That's very important because I don't think there's a lot of this episode that would have made sense. Yeah, no, because definitely. Of that. Um, so. And I, I think really, um, that was really wonderful, that the fact that they didn't forget about the Suicide Squad stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think it makes me want to see more Suicide Squad and stuff. And I think we might. I think there's a high chance of it. Especially then. considering the fact that, you know... Oliver says, I'm going to talk to, to Argus. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised. About making if, a deal with Argus. I would not be surprised if we see Bronze Tiger with Team Arrow before the end of the season. That'd be pretty Him awesome. working for Argus. I mean, we do know by the end of this, he's still in Slabside. He is. But he has earned a lot of massive respect in Slabside. And again, I would not be surprised to see him as an agent of Argus by the end of the season. Yeah, which would be kind of cool. And I'd be pumped for it. I, I think it would be really a worthwhile move. Because we do know out of the three of them, out of Brick, um, Samson, and Bronze Tiger, there's only one left at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's Bronze Tiger. But you know what? I think that was the smart one. That was the smart yeah. move. That was the character has that has the most charisma. I mean, it's crazy to say that over Vinnie Jones, the person yeah. that has the most charisma, but he fits in that show better than the other. I think he does. Others too. do. Yeah. Um, I mean, Samson was always kind of an empty character. Like they never really did much. He's like, hey, he just doesn't feel pain. Hasn't he survived incidents like this before, though? Well, this they they, they showed his corpse burnt up on the yeah, ground. Yeah, he's, he's he's dead. He's, he's definitely <laughs> gone so, this time. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, and. While this whole thing is happening, like I said, we have we have to get to as you mentioned because we derailed into because we had to find to find a way because it's them meeting up in that hallway where we see Samson and Brick and I just I just Oliver. love the I love the interaction of the first time we see you know Bronze Tiger and and Oliver together and he's like how did you get out of your cell he's like, like how did you get out of your cell it's like it's like it's kind of that looks like well how did you get out yeah of exactly because. We both have our tricks, and yeah. I kind of like that they left it just as that. Yeah, and exactly. It, was, perfect. it yeah. was really perfect. But like I said, we see that first big fight sequence, oh, essentially with with Samson, Brick, Bronze Tiger, and Ollie in the hallway. Yeah. It was really well done. Yeah. And it was a really great... There was a lot of long single shots in this with a lot of great tracking shots. Is um, this the scene that was that well, your, your this, favorite? The, we're about to get to that. Okay, all right. So... Pretty much, we see them having to deal with these guards, uh, not the guards, but like we they, we see them save the first set of guards. Yes. Um, because they're pretty much beat down because of Brick and, and Cody Rose's character. We see Samson there. Uh, and they kind of stop them as we know they're trying to escape to the morgue. Um, so we, we see Ollie slice the femoral artery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, in uh, Samson's leg. So knowing that he doesn't have a lot of time. And Brick's like, this is too much. I'm just walking out of this and that's the end of it. And we see them kind of just go their separate ways. Ollie and Bronn Steiger save a couple of the guards real quick, find out where the other guards are being held. Um, and as they see all this stuff going down and trying to figure out the next move, actually, you're right, that did happen before. That, that big fight happened before that. Because... No, the, the the big fight was towards the end because that's where... Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the end of... Well, no, that's when they first realize they have to save the guards. It's because he has to, Ollie has to convince Braun Steiger not letting people die in here. Yeah. Um, so it's actually one of the earlier big fights is when we see that crazy sequence. And that's where we see Ollie and Braun Steiger on two separate levels. And the camera is going between each other as it's going around even a corner. Yeah. Where we see, watch both of them climb up to their points and then it's just Ollie's fight on level three, Braun Steiger's fight on level two, shifting back and forth, going around the corner. 
and it's like no lie, a minute to two minutes long, and you're just in awe because the two of them just everything that they were capable of doing in that episode was phenomenal. And the, I can't imagine what it was like to try to film that scene and how many takes it might have taken. I, I, I was blown away. But you know what? Though when I say how many takes it might have taken, it might not have taken that many. It might have been like, hey, we got guys, this in two. Because <laughs> these guys are pros, man. Oliver, had, Oliver, like Amel has worked with Bamford for so long now. That he's pretty on point with a lot of that. And stuff. Michael Jai White is phenomenal. He, like he was he, Spawn. I mean, like he just was amazing. Both of them were just so amazing. Yeah. To watch. Uh, what you got, you've got Michael able to do. You've got Michael Jai White facing off against Cody Reynolds, who is another pro when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Stephen Amell with. Was I don't I think he was just fighting other inmates. I don't think he was fighting. No, they this that long big tracking scene was just them fighting random folks. No, no, this was towards the end. Oh well, the, the, well, the big one at the end. I'm talking about the big white. That's what I'm talking about. That oh, was no, no. To- that was that was the different. That was when they're in the mess hall. That was a completely different scene. Um, because there, that's mm. where they end up saving the one guard that helps them later on. Uh, okay, maybe I just have them confused. In, there in, was in a, the, there was a lot of fighting in this episode because I have it as one of the the later notes. Oh no, which makes the mess hall fight is when they're just on a single level um, fighting when Bron Steiger and Cody Rhodes go in. It's because Oliver's on the ground fighting Diaz at the time during that one. No, the the two tier one is definitely the mess hall because that's when by the end of it we see Bron Steiger toss Samson over on fire. Hmm. Or not, no, no, he tosses him over and then he gets lit on fire on the floor. We're, we're going to have to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure that yeah. that uh, fight is towards the end of the episode. All right, I think we're both, I think we've both got some of this mixed up, but it doesn't matter. Regardless, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was, oh, it was um, I, I think <laughs> so. outside of that, I mean, there's um, really, the only other thing I really think we need to bring up is Stanley. Well, not even that yet. I we One of the big things, again, Braun Steiger is the person that wipes out Samson. Yes. Uh, it's very, very clear. Uh, yeah. you know, we see him in a bad, bad shape. His leg is sliced up. He's bleeding out. And then, but and he's then still he's going toe to toe. And then he gets chucked over the edge. Diaz rigs the whole place to kind of overload and it forces everything to just start catching fire. Yeah. Um, so there's just no surviving that mess. That fight is in the mess hall because it's not until the end when we see them back in the cells. That was when it was Diaz versus, uh, Oliver. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That right. fight was in the mess hall. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, so, but like I said, we do see, you know, that that fight and Amel gets rocked. Yeah, pretty hardcore. But several is there, times there's a that. part of me that believes he kind of let it happen because he uh, needed to I lead Diaz into that cell. I don't think so. I, I you think he really got? Oh no, I'm pretty damn sure that that was just Diaz. Was overpowering him. Well, you, well, you got to remember though, too. Diaz has been shooting himself up with something, and we don't know what it is. Yeah, it's true. So we we found out a couple weeks ago that when he hit the water, he broke most of the bones in his body. Yeah, yeah. And he stole something from the CDC, and we see him inject himself with it, and it it sounded like basically it was to help kill any kind of pain. Um, and it seems like he's kind of tilting in the way that Samson is, and he just doesn't care, and it is just. Oh, maybe a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. Oh, I think he still feels pain. Oh, I do too. Because he's, oh, well, we definitely know he, we feels, know he pain. feels pain. Um, but we see him not hold back at all, and even Diaz is like, "You got soft in here," and just just 
and, and, and it slicing takes, him up, and he's Oliver's hurt. By and it takes that, that moment of him talking about Felicity and tearing the picture of Felicity and William in half for Oliver to pretty much just like you know Break. What? this is I'm done like this is over yeah and. Because Oliver is not doing too well during that fight. He just gets one lucky shot, yeah. essentially. Yeah. He he stabs him in the chest and stabs and just, him deep. And then yeah. And that's what whole, that's what gets him out of it. And it was just it it was just a poetic moment of why where he ends up, and that's really what it was. Yeah. It, I think it had nothing to do with anything okay. else. It All was right. just it was just dumb luck, and they're like, hey, this will look cool for the TV show. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, because I did see a bunch of people post online, like, like I, I really don't think Diaz is dead, and I'm like, he's not. Amel's even come out and said, Diaz is not dead. Oh, no. He's, he left him alive he on is, purpose. He is still the big bad of this season. Well, I think we're going to see a little bit of a break in that. I we're going to see, we're, well, we're going to see the Longbow Hunters is the, uh, take that place probably for a little while. I also think we're going to see Stanley step uh, up as I don't, as kind I, of a I, focus for a little while. I, I don't think it's going to be very long. I think he's going to get an episode or two, maybe. And I think, yeah, I, I think it could be two or three episodes that we're going to see Stanley kind of become this self-obsessed, kind of like... Um, Cupid. No, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking Cupid. I was thinking uh, the character from The Incredibles, the first Incredibles movie. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the the one that Jason was, Lee's character, Jason Lee's character, the one that was obsessed with him when he was younger, and then turned against him at the end. Right. Uh, I think we're going to see something kind of like that. I think because we do know that Stanley knows about William and Felicity, and I think you know the whole moment with Brick saying you should have been nice to me. I think we're going to see a little bit more of that yeah, outside and, of it. And who would have thought Stanley's the one that kills Brick? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Just cuts him right, guts him right in the side. Yes. So, but, uh, I, yeah, we're definitely going to see him come back. Um, but I don't think they can do more than an episode or two with him because, again, it's kind of a boring character. No, Oliver can take him out. Easy. Just a single arrow shot. Done and done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... I, I can't imagine he, he can be more than a long-running thing. Again, we'll, we'll see Diaz in the you know in jail a couple episodes, and he's going to find a way out. Yeah. He's still going to be our big bet this season. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a little while before we see it. But yeah, like I said, and, we, we uh, go ahead. And it wrapped up perfectly at this point too, because we're going to see next week. We're going to see Oliver transition back into the real world. Then we're going into Elseworlds mid-season finale, and then right. we'll, we'll come back. Um, and like I said, we do see you know Ollie and Felicity and Dig. I mean, we see OTA yeah. uh, reunite at the very end of the episode. Really good shot, though. It was really cool, and I loved the pullout. That they and did. seeing the prison on the actual island, on an island, kind of yeah. hearkening back to Lian Yu and stuff yes. like that, and it was a really cool way. But like, it was really cool to see OTA being the only ones there at the end. Yeah, exactly. um, and I okay. really appreciated that. And I thought that was a cool way to do it. And like I said, I know it really. Like, I went on Twitter, man, oh man, and Wilson fans were happy as hell. Yeah. So, um, but again, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But we did find out really quick before we moved to the next show. Um, they did say Oliver's going to transition his character again. By the time he comes back, he's not going to be the character everybody expects him to be. They said we're going to expect to see him not be that mayoral, I can never say that word, um, kind of type character he was with that kind of same, uh, you know, kind of view on things. Mm -hmm. He's not going to see things very black and white. They said we're going to see a very gray Oliver. Well, that's good, though. I think that's the way it should be. And I think that's a, it's a good way. And it kind of harkens back to what I think his character was when he first left Lee and you when we see episode one, season one. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the character we're going to get. Again. Yeah, I agree with that too. I, th- I think that's... And, but I think we're going to see that... We're, we're going to see that version, but with more positivity. I think that's what we're going to get. Yeah. I It'll mean, lean more towards the white than the black, but it, it'll, it'll live in a gray area. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But I think this is going to be the transition to, hey, he's going to be traditional Green Arrow, guys. And I think that's where we're going to end up. Works for me. So, uh, looking forward to next week, or this week rather, Season 7, Episode 8, Unmasked. Felicity stands by her recent decisions regarding her family. Meanwhile, Diggle and Lila continue to look into the Dante painting that Curtis found. Um, so... Uh, we're gonna, like I said, we'll probably see Oliver transition a little bit more back into the real world, which is yeah. I mean, you know, again, we, we've got big things coming. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, Legends of Tomorrow, season four, episode six. Tender is the Nate. Hank Haywood confronts Ava about the spending habits of the Legends. Mona tries to make a good impression with Ava, but her eagerness gets her, and Ava's stuck in a cell together. So definitely two different, really let's, only let's two get, stories. The, let's get the girl's story out of the way. Okay, um, which, as I mentioned, by the end of it, well, it ended up becoming my favorite part of this episode until a certain Hank Haywood moment at the very end of the episode, which we'll get to in a minute. A minute, but yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, we're seeing Nora or uh, Mona kind of coming in, adapting to her job. She kind of wants to make improvements and make things better. Ava's against it. And Basically, she wants a little humanitarianism yeah. inside, you know, the Time Bureau and. Kind of treating these creatures with a little bit more respect. Yeah. I mean, um, Mona is kind of the kind of person where she realizes these are creatures, but that's, you know... They're living things. That they're they living need. things, and they sometimes they really can't control that the the characters that they are. So They are what they are, and it's kind of like, let them embrace that, and yeah. hey, uh, there's... And it would make things easier on them, because they're more comfortable, which means there's You know less. what it's kind of turning into? Kind of the holding cells of the Fortress of Solitude for, like, the last bastions of their races. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. It works. In a little bit of a way. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, seeing Mona, you know, um, you know, dealing with these characters and kind of taking into that job. I think you you put it to me yesterday when you were talking about, like, Mona's just, like, adorable. And yeah, she's I, just I fun. I was, I was really concerned with her character. And I'm like, she could... Be annoying very quickly. Yes, and I thought that, in, especially in the beginning of this episode, I'm like, no, I actually really like her. Yeah, um, I'm like, I wasn't quite sure my viewpoint on it. It was kind of like when we first were introduced to Ralph, where you're we like, Ralph could really go over the edge really quickly, mm. but they have just enough there that you can like, how can you not like him as a character? Yeah. They did the same thing here with Mona, and I think they they succeeded here with her. And what I, and what I really liked about this episode was we ended up getting new sides of a lot of different, of all three of the characters. Yeah. We, we kind of see Ava kind of bring, bring Mona, kind of adapt Mona to the world that she's now working into. Right. We see Mona kind of go to Ava and kind of, you know, say like, hey, you got to lighten up a little bit. And she definitely does. And it's kind of like, hey, you're, even though you're a clone, it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. You're still awesome. Yeah. And I like the fact she's like, and even looks at Nora's like, and you're a witch. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, how cool is that? You guys have nothing to be sad I about. Love, and I love this, the aspect too, where like, where Ava and Nora are, you know, like, you know, Ava's saying how she was a clone and she never had a childhood and, you know, her family is fake and everything. And Nora going into how she was forced into becoming witches. And basically and, having forced to become a vessel for and, a demon. And Mona's just like, you both need to tell me your life stories. Like, <laughs> right now. Yes. <laughs> but I love the fact that they're sitting there drinking, having birthday cake, and all this stuff. But, like, I love that this is all pulled together because Mona wants to sneak in a love letter from Ray to Nora. Yeah. And that's what breaks all this down. But I love that we go through all this stuff and we peel back all these layers of and all these characters. It's like the girlfriends hanging out, having wine together. And that's right. exactly what it becomes by the end. And I, I even love when they're kind of talking about, like, 
one of my favorite lines of this two episode was um, Mona talking to Nora, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, so like all these demon things was kind of like, kind of like, uh, you know, like a travel. Uh, like, uh, it was like a sister of the traveling pants. pants. He's like, no, much much worse. <laughs> yes. So, um, but you know, a lot of really fun back and forth with these characters, and I think they really succeeded in. Showing different sides of characters we haven't seen a lot of. And this was a really great way to humanize Nora yes, Dark for the first time. Absolutely. Too. I agree with that too. That was because, something I was going to say as well. Because, like, we only saw what Ray saw. Yeah. Essentially. And, and Nora when she was a little kid. And why that was worked out the way it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was like, hey, no, she is a sympathetic character. Like, and very much so. And, like, she was forced into a lot of bad things. And this is, and her trying to atone for it the week before, it's like, I'm turning myself in. It was a really great start to that. This was the next best part of that. Yeah, I mean, because this even this even helped Ava to realize that she is a humanized character. She's not as evil as she was. She was kind of forced into being. She was and, forced into a bad situation and, and she there, tried to survive. Yeah, and there was even that moment from Ava. You know, she said, "Well, maybe you can have a life where you're free without escaping." And I think that's something that's probably going to come relatively soon. AKA. We're going to see her on the wave ride. Yes, and I can't wait. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because she's... What the wave rider needs, I think, a little bit is maybe a little bit more sass. And I think she's a character that can add to that yes. piece. Um, one of the other... Uh, you know, like so we wrap up their storyline when they're like, well, you know, let's see what a love letter from Ray Palmer <laughs> really is. There's probably glitter in it. Uh, and <laughs> I love that they open it up and it's Ray shrunk down, stuck on the glue of the envelope. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was fantastic. Yeah. Because it was such a Ray thing. And I love his character so much because he's all sunshine and rainbows all the time. Yeah. Sees the best in everybody and everything. And I think his level of positivity is really wonderful. And, uh, I, and I think one of the things that really works well when telling this Ray and Nora story is the fact, and I've mentioned this before, is the fact that it's Brandon and Courtney. Yeah. The, the fact that they are actually real life husband and wife. They're actually in love with each other. Like, they're tapping into real life to play these characters, or at least this element of those characters. And I think it really helps the story. Yeah. It makes it so much more believable that these two characters could be together. Yeah. And and it works out, again, because it's real life. Yeah. Uh, well, now let's back up to the very beginning of the episode and start dealing with the other plot line. Because some of these characters, like Ray, it does appear in the beginning a little bit, uh, real quickly. I hope they didn't miss their QB. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, we do, like I said, as you mentioned, we see Hank Haywood wanting to get on the Wave Rider. And see well, he's not wanting to get on the Wave Rider. He wants to look at the budget. He it's, wants to look at the budget. Nate that recommends the ride-along. Oh, the ride-along, yeah. yes. And he's like, let's see. And obviously we see Sarah trying to visit Ava for her birthday. Yes. That goes Which horribly wrong. hysterical. And it was a really, yeah. just great, fantastic humor sequence. Yeah. Uh, but we see they're not able to beat Nate and Hank to the punch of getting on the Wave Rider with a very unexpected visitation. Um, but we also now have all the characters panicking to try to keep Nate away from seeing Charlie. Yes. Um, but this comes into play in a very interesting way, though, too, because this episode not only is it dealing with them going back to Paris in the 20s, um, but it also sets up the goodbye, essentially, of a character on the Legends team. Not from the show, but on the Legends team Yeah, itself. because it, we, we see something that I think we kind of... Uh, Not only was coming, but I think a better fit for I, that character. I don't agree with that, and I'm kind of bummed. I don't. I don't think we're still not going to see him right. in action every once in a while. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, we we will definitely see it, but it's even like when you see 
Brandon Ralph, you know, walking around and you see Ray because like Nate's coming, I could use a hug. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, and if that's what it is. It's like, I want to, I, I love their character interactions because I don't think anybody fuses together as well as those two do on the but show. But I think that's going to change when Nora joins. I do too. And I think that's kind of what they're gearing and I, up. And I, I, I do agree that it, it is a smart move because the show has always been a show about change. Yeah. Um, for all the characters, the crew, we're used to that by now. Mm. And it's just, Nate's one of my favorites because of the relationship he has with some of those ca- the cast of characters. And, and I see that too, but in, in essence, at the same time, I'm really enjoying the Nate and Hank interaction as it well. It has been really good. It, it's the, uh, the more and more I watch these characters, the more and more I root for them to fix this broken relationship that they I have. I do too, and the thing is, you know where it's going, and that's the sad part of it all. It's yeah. because it makes sense for his, Nate's character, especially this season... To be at the time period because he's going to have to be the one that works with Ava and Gary to undo the fact of, hey guys, guess what? Hank's not on the up and up. Yeah. And it's going to be heartbreaking to watch that happen to Nate. Well, it's, but it, Nate's going to be have, Nate's going to have to stop his dad. But I think I think part of and I think that's one of the other reasons why they're kind of shifting Nate into that office roles because. Nate's going to be the one that's going to have to step up and stop whatever situation that Hank is getting them into. Right. But I wouldn't necessarily say that Hank is not only up and up. I think he's got a secret, but I think everything we're seeing of Hank so far is legit. Yeah. I think it's I think it's real. Oh yeah. I just think he's just got something he's hiding. Right. Absolutely. He's not a fake person. No. No. It's it's just um we've got some issues coming. Yeah. For for the Haywood. There's family. going to be another fracture. In that relationship, yeah. and, everything that we're seeing, and it's possible that by the end of the season, he's like, I, he's like, you know what? He's like, I might have a bigger role now at the time bureau, or he might say at the end of the season, it's time to go back with the legends. Yeah. Um. So this could just be a long hiatus from the team, but mm-hmm. I think we'll definitely see him. It's kind of like in that Rip role, uh, where Rip was doing his own thing, and every once in a while he'd pop back in with the legends. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's where we're going to see it. Speaking of Rip, do we think we've we're done with him, or do we think he's going to come back at any point? I think we're not going to see him for a long time. If, It'll if, be a while. If, if at all. Okay. Um, I would say I um, there's maybe only a 30% chance we're, we're going to see Rip again in the next two years. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I was a little sad uh, about, you know, like so we do see them go and stop a Minotaur yeah. this episode, but there is a moment at the very end of the episode I want to jump to okay. before we get into the Minotaur stuff, because unfortunately we have to start speeding through this a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended, because we're about to get to the Flash. Because gonna... <laughs> um, we have a lot of news that we got to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we too. do. Um, but there was a moment at the end that made me really sad, which was they're all celebrating Thanksgiving together. and Or pizza party. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the pizza party. Yeah. Uh, but Nate talking to Charlie. It's kind of like, you'll yeah. find your place. Uh, I was like, you know, enjoy it while you can, because uh, no one knows how much this is longer is going to last. And it made me feel like they were saying, hey, guys, I don't know if Legends is going to get another season next year. Uh, that's the way that it came across oh, in my brain. I didn't and I'm like, don't way. take this show from me. I like this show yeah. too much. Um, but it really felt like them saying, enjoy this show while you guys can. Because it even kind of mentioned earlier in the season, it's kind of like, well, we don't have a lot of fans, but the ones we do are really devout. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like, you know, we're not doing great in the ratings, such and such. You're just like... And they're like, hey, you know, it was like, but we do have the super fan. And they're like, Gary doesn't count. <laughs> but like, it was them really talking to the audience, it felt like. Well, you know a what? A couple it, times so far. And they're that, that breaking me, that wall. That makes me think of, again, the question I had for you. And I'm just going to pose it to you now. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't really think it's, it, even if you need time to think about it, you have to answer me later. Of all four of these shows, 
CW decides to say we're going to cancel three of them, but we'll keep one. Which one do you think should stick around? I, I honestly think if they if they wipe the slate on this this the CW shows, mm-hmm. I think they should kill all four. But and, I'm, I'm saying and start if, one new one. Okay, and that but new see, one is Justice League. Uh, oh, okay. I that that's a good possibility. But I'm saying if they had to keep one, I think Legends is the one to keep. Because Legends is the one that you can take those other characters and incorporate into. You could. Yeah. You, you easily could and have all these characters do things. But I, I think um, even that wrote just a TV show called World's Finest and you can just... Like, that would be a fantastic They're Like, hey, you know what? This because week is could, Black Canary and White, uh, White Canary. Yeah. Or you Canary could focus, or You could focus on a different character every week. You really Each could. of them having their own storyline. You might have to wait a couple weeks until you get to another story, to the progression of one of their storylines. Right. But you could, in essence, bring all of them in. All of the actors have a lighter schedule because they're not working every week, week to week. I think stories I, are more condensed. I think the show that I could say that it's probably gonna would be the first to go away will be Legends because which I wouldn't be which I because I have a feeling the reason that we only get eighteen episodes from that show is probably because the budget is so much higher. Yeah, because they have a crazy. I think they kind of joked about it here. It's like. What is with the budget with all the costuming yeah. and stuff like that? Because like you think about how much goes into their show on a weekly basis versus the others. You know what? Thinking about it, this really could have been a very meta episode. I, I, and I feel like they've been doing that to us all season. But you know what? This If they go out with a bang, man, what better way to go out with a bang than with John Constantine as part of the crew? Yeah. So, but again, really, again, it was a, a fantastic episode. I really thoroughly loved it. Well, let's get into the last little bits of this, this with uh, the Minotaur fight. Yeah, I mean, and the, the only other thing I want to I want to mention, too, right before the Minotaur fight, uh, my favorite line probably of the week, which is actually the title of the episode this week, is when Hemingway says to, uh, when calls Marcel and says, I need my rifles, and Mick is just like, I need a Marcel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to bring him his gun, which is great. But yeah, so we, we do see... Uh, Hemingway, Hank, Nate, uh, Sarah, and the rest of the team go and chase after the Minotaur. Minotaur escapes. And Salvador Dali. And Salvador Dali, that's right. Uh, the Minotaur gets away, but it does cause another rift in time in which the Minotaur goes to the bar and kills everyone. So they have to go to prevent that. And we see this fantastic fight with the Minotaur in the bar in which Nate shows up with a loot to play a song to kind of put him to sleep. Uh, which doesn't work out so well because the loot gets broken. And who steps up to take care of that situation? Tom Wilson, singer, songwriter. Hank Henshaw, singer <laughs> no, James not, Taylor. Not Hank Henshaw. Or not Hank, no, Hank. Uh, <laughs> Hank oh Haywood. Hank Haywood, yeah. Um, yeah. Cyborg Superman <laughs> makes a special appearance this week, one night and one night only. Yeah, Hank Haywood <laughs> so. with the guitar uh, singing James Taylor. Which is fantastic because Tom Wilson really does know how to play the guitar. And well, it was fun because like me and my wife were watching it, and cats and they're watching it, and she's like, "Oh, that's really good." I was like, "You do know that is Tom Wilson? That is Tom Wilson playing and singing." And she's like, "You're kidding me?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "His voice is phenomenal." I'm like, "Uh huh, yeah." (laughs) That is (laughs) real for anybody who was wondering. That is Tom Wilson playing and singing because he does play the guitar and he does sing. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was great. It was. It was really, really wonderfully done. Um, and I love the fact that we saw it's kind of like, hey. You know, he saw what Nate was doing, and he's like, "Nope, you you were in the right." And I, the relationship building has been really awesome. You're it, right; it's yeah, been a really it's, good. It's been one of my favorite things to watch so far with this uh, with this season so far. I mean, especially that whole scene with the James Taylor, you know, with Nate walking up to him and being like, "You you've got this, Dad." Yeah, and then you know, at the end, 
you know, Hank saying to Nate, like, I learned it from, from you. Yeah. I thought it was a really touching moment between these two characters. And yeah. I love this interaction, and you're right. I, with everything that we're getting with them, I'm, I'm enjoying watching this this relationship build. It's going to be heartbreaking when it fractures again. Yeah. It really is. It will. But, again, um, man, having Biff as part of the team has just I been awesome. <laughs> so. And I, I really hope if the show continues past this season... That he continues to make He continues with it, too. I yeah. do, too. I, th- I think he's fantastic. Uh, looking forward to, you know, this week we get part one of that two-part finale, as you had mentioned. Uh, season four, episode seven, Hell's, uh, Hell No Dolly. With Rory and Ava at odds, Sarah tries to come up with ways for them to get along, but all is put on hold when a new magical creature attacks the legends. Constantine is forced to confront his tragic past, but it could have devastating consequences for the rest of the team. So it looks like... We're going to get, actually, and I can tell you guys this now, um, the next two weeks... We're going to see alternate versions of these characters yes. in numerous ways. Yep. Uh, so don't be surprised to see lots of weird little things come into play. Um, I think one of the best representations I saw somebody mention is, think about the infinite improbability drive from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and ta-da! Uh, we're going to oh, see a lot a good... of... We're going to see a lot of weird things happen over the next That's a weeks. good comparison to make, so, to make to this, too. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to see over the next two weeks. Because I don't know too much in the specifics. We did see the Martin Stein puppet. Sounds like he's making a yes. return. Um, I would be really awesome if we do hear Victor Garber voice that character. I think that would be fantastic. And so, I know we're, we're getting... A, we'll talk about this in the news a little bit, too. But we're getting a very interesting cameo at some point over these next two episodes, yes, too. Yes, we are. So... so. All right, last of the show is The Flash, Season 5, Episode 7, Oh Come All Ye Thankful. While Nora grapples with unresolved anger over her father's disappearance in the future, Barry and Team Flash must stop a powerful new meta, Weather Witch, from killing her own father, the Weather Wizard. So uh, this was, uh, you know, the Christmas Thanksgiving episodes are always a lot of fun with these series. They do them every year. I think it's usually Christmas, though. Christmas is usually what they do. Uh, we got Thanksgiving this year. We got year. Thanksgiving this year. And again, because probably where it fell on the schedule. But even though we still got it a week late. And we, and we got it a week late, but you know what? I was fine with it mainly because of the interactions that we got. We could talk about real quick between Sherlock, uh, uh, Caitlin, and Cisco. Yeah. In which he kind of turns them against Thanksgiving. Instead of the thankful, they all became the thankless. <laughs> exactly. Which I thought was, I thought was a lot of fun. It, yeah. You know. Um, I, I will say this too. Normally, we don't talk about this until the end where we're saying, hey, who do you think your breakout the best character is? It's the first time I think I'm ever going to say Tom Cavanaugh is not in that running this time. Who do you think is? Nora. Yeah, I would think that. I would think Nora. By leaps and bounds. And uh, Cavanaugh is is fun. I think they're pushing it a little bit this time around. I would like to see them come up with a version of Wells that sticks around for good. And I think they can't. Uh, this is becoming. This is turning into. You killed Kenny from South Park when it first yeah. started, and I'm like, I think you can't continue this route. Um, I think whatever one we're going to get next, it's got to stay. Um, I would be okay with if it's Sherlock, to be honest. Um, I I think he's probably maybe my least favorite. Of he's them. my least favorite as well, and I would honestly, I'd rather honestly just HR. I know he's not coming back, but. HR would be great and all, but I honestly, if they're going to bring any of them back, just bring Harry back. Yeah. He doesn't have to be like this brilliant mind, but he was such a great character. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to think, though, that... Well, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Harry is the one that comes back. I mean, because we know he, he really took some time to be with Jesse and stuff. Right. And I wouldn't be... Now that that time has passed, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the next one to come back and let him stay back for good. 
I mean, there's a possibility. We don't know how this crossover is going to go. These two worlds could be combined in the first place. They could. and Or at some point next season, the two worlds could be combined. And that world is his world now. Yeah, that's very true. So I'm very curious to see where things are going to go. But I, I just did want to get that in there. So the Sherlock character is fine. But I think... Uh, there's no, there's not room for two detectives. Well, but you know what though, I don't think Kavanaugh and Wells has been our 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 standout for a couple seasons because last year I picked Ralph. Yeah. The year before that was uh, Tom Welling, um, not Tom Welling. Um, no. Um, it was it was HR. Oh, that's right. It, it was, was HR, HR over. Uh, <laughs> um, Welton. What's his name? Tom, uh, Tom Felton. Uh, Tom Felton. That's it. Uh, yeah, Julian Albert. Jo- that's it. Yeah. Oh, so, that's right. HR was my. That's yeah. right. Because so, I loved HR. Yeah. HR was, I was, I'm telling you, I was, was more heartbroken about his death than I was thinking it was Iris. Oh, I know. God. All right. Um, yeah, so I mean, this is a big episode because we're getting a Cicada backstory. Yeah. And I think it is very important because, now, I did notice a couple inconsistencies in this. Okay. And I don't know if these are anything that you noticed too. I want to start, it's kind of going a little bit of out of order, but last week we found out that the core of the satellite is what caused, where the shrapnel came from, right. that caused Cicada. And we found out that they found it in the water. But yet this week, it crashes right outside of Cicada. So where... No, the shrapnel, this piece of shrapnel came off and hit him. We didn't I, see the core come down. I thought the core had struck right where they were. No, there was, there was numerous pieces of shrapnel that fell. Um, because that's the, got to remember, that's where the Metatech comes from. It, yeah, oh yeah, I remember, the I know that. all the pieces of shrapnel yeah, that hit. from so, the satellite, yeah. Um, we know the core hit there, but it was just a chunk of the core. Because okay. when we saw the core, ch- pieces were missing. It wasn't just the lightning piece. Yeah, there, there, was, other, there was additional okay. parts of the core that... And But we do know it is the, the general area. They found right. it at the carnival, and it was in the water outside of that car- where that carnival was. Right. So we do exactly. know that is the area that the core went So it's, it's just a piece that fell right on the outside. Okay, all so, right. So that clears up one inconsistency. The other one I had is the fact that, you know, a week or two ago, we found out that there were two children in the hospital... Um, and one of them, the parents were dead. The other one, they had led them to believe that the father was still alive. But we also found out this week that both of her parents were dead. And it wasn't the father that was still alive at all. Would they not? How did they get those two confused? Because they found out there was one child. I think you missed something. Um, no, it was, okay, that, was all this, that? that was all this episode. No, no. When they there was it was the ending of the episode a couple oh, of weeks oh, ago. Oh no, no, yeah. They they didn't mention that there was there was two kids there was in the two hospital. Two kids. One of them, the parents were dead. Right. The other one, the father was still alive, but she was neither one. Right. But they also found out. I think they were like looking at some other specifics. Um. But here's my. But here's my. Thinking. Okay. I know. There, where you're, I know. Where there your were two going. children. Right. One of them was. One name and the parents are dead. The other one was Abigail. Oh, well, that's when we found out from the FEMA stuff. Yeah. Right. The okay, other yeah. one was Abigail, whose father was still alive. Right. And that's the one that Barry went to visit, was Abigail. But her father wasn't still alive. So oh, Team no. Flash they actually did misinformation. They, they did address that. They addressed it because when he went to, they went, went to visit, they actually brought in uh, that that one doctor came in and stated she forged the, uh, the forms just there and said, this isn't going to hold, keep holding up. You can't keep coming here. That's where it comes into play. So she forced it to say that the father was still alive? No, dead. But the records that Team Flash had showed that the father right, was still alive. Right, but that alive. was from the records from FEMA, not from the hospital. That was the case. So which records did she forge? The hospital records. 
but yet FEMA showed that the father was still alive and the father hadn't been alive for years. That was a different character. That was... No, they said that was Abigail. Okay, what's the say? That's the reason why he went to see Abigail in the hospital. He did, but then the doctor came up and said, nope, both parents are dead. There is no guardian. She says to Cicada later, I forged it. People are snooping in. She forged it to show that there was no next of kin. Exactly. So they wouldn't know about her. But that doesn't explain why Team Flash is I think we're focusing on a, 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 a small writing inconsistency. But that's my, that's what I'm saying is that I just noticed some inconsistencies. I didn't get tripped up by that at all. It didn't affect my rating of the episode. Okay. I'm just saying I noticed a couple inconsistencies okay. in the story. I, I think the, they, the way that they got around that was her saying, I forged the documents. At the hospital. So when somebody okay. came to check in on it, no one's going to think twice because, nope, that's not correct. Okay. And that's, I think that's what they were trying to do. And I think that's really all it was. Okay. So so it was a basically, let's just throw in, I forged the documents just to kind of clear that up. Yep, yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I it, My well, mind probably dove that, a little too deep into that, it. That doctor character, I think, is kind of worthless. And doesn't have a real purpose here. It just, I'm like, I think the only, I think the only purpose is her is she's kind of driving his force. She's kind of driving him into it, and that's about it. And I, I don't think there's anything special about her. I don't even remember her name. I don't either because I really don't. She's <laughs> such an empty character. Yeah, and she doesn't have it. It doesn't feel like she has a purpose. But I mean, one of the other things about the Cicada backstory to jump back into it too, and it's one of the things I love when shows do this. Is they really, even though he is the big bad... They made him very sympathetic. They made him sympathetic and they gave him compassion. The only downside I will say is while we see him grow from becoming this alcoholic uncle to becoming this dad and having his daughter really change everything about his life, um, man, oh man, when they got to that final scene and he he sees Block in the hospital, when he sees Block on the TV... um, and he's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go after it. And we see him pull in that that shard yeah. for the first time. And he does that almost fourth wall break. Man, oh man, that is some of the worst acting I've seen on oh that show. Oh my god, I'm so glad time. you said that. Because I agreed with that completely. Like, I watched that, I and, I'm watched like, that and I'm like, didn't the director think, maybe we should take another <laughs> take of this. I watched that and I'm like, oh my god, that is the cheesiest line. And like... I like what was the line oh, like? Meta as well die. Yeah, <laughs> and there might as well have been a wah-ha-ha at the end of it. It was so bad. Like his the way his it was it was the worst overacting scene I've seen in one of these shows in a long time. Yes. So kudos to the Flash. Because <laughs> um, man, oh man, that was horrid. I'm so glad you said that because I agree with you 110. Because me and me and me and Cat stopped and we were like. Really? <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna end it that way. No, it's do it's better. Almost, it's almost as if like the only thing that would have made it worse is he had his hands together. Like, yeah, Mr. like Burns. I said, I said you need the yeah. wahaha, and like, and you're like, Where, where's the wahaha? <laughs> Did they forget that the ADR to put that in there? It, it's it's so bad. It was it, bad. It, it was really, really bad. bad. And I will say this again too. In this episode, we we do see Nora dealing with. Um, Watching Barry put his life on the line consistently yeah. and watching her kind of break. And we find out later, because it's a very sweet moment, that it's kind of like she doesn't, she can't keep going through these traumatic moments mm-hmm. because she already dealt with it once in her life. And she, it, it's causing a little bit of PTSD almost for her. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really well handled between the situations between Nora, um, you know, and Iris and Barry, uh, them dealing with her, her, um, emotions through this, this storyline. I think they, they handled that really well. Uh, and I, I don't think there's too much else to talk about that specifically because it kept happening throughout the episode. But it, it's, it's a thing that kind of drove me a little bit nuts, which was 
hey, the Flash is dead. Hey, the Flash is dead. And like, guys, it's the Flash, and they have no replacement Flash anymore. They're yeah. not going to kill him. This, and so there, there's no stakes in it. And ultimately, if he dies, Nora doesn't exist. True. So yeah. it was one of those things that... It, it's kind of like when you do an alternate reality episode and we're like, all these characters died in the alternate reality and we have to set the pieces back in play. It's I hate when shows do that crap because the biggest problem with it is there is no weight. Because you know they're going to succeed and that's there's no purpose of that. So whenever shows like Supernatural or Winona Earp did it and thousands of shows have done it, you're like, all these characters have died in this alternate reality. The Legends of Tomorrow did it in the end of season two. I'm like, nope, that doesn't matter at all because yeah. these characters are still here. Yeah. Um, when you do something like that, I, it takes away that. Even if you're trying to basically, like, the more you know moment, you're like, oh, you know, now I understand why my dad has to do this and be a hero the way he is. I'm like, no, we already all know this, and so do you. You spent half of your life in the Flash Museum looking at your father's accolades. But, I mean, mentioning the Flash Museum, too, it's very apparent that <clears throat> the Flash Museum, everything that she's learned from the Flash Museum... Because apparently it's very detailed, is not as detailed as she's thinking it is. Right. There's, because there's a lot of information missing. And we've seen, you know, um, Iris bring up, well, he walked into the singularity. Or, well, he ran into the singularity and then he saved everybody. I'm like, no. We, Ronnie we, didn't we, make we, it. Leo, Ronnie Raymond got killed yeah. in that process. Uh, what about when he sacrificed himself into the Speed Force? All these things. So I, I thought it was interesting that they bring all those points up here. But again, for him to die at the hands of this random one-off villain that I doubt we'll ever see again. We're never going to see Weather like, hey, Witch great. again. Here's the third Weather Wizard character on the show. Like, I'm like, you don't need that. Yeah. And I'm like, they can hang out with the Canaries somewhere in the Arrowverse and let them just all go drink. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was, you know, like I said, that was kind of an eh moment of the storyline. So it was a little kind of like, okay, well, you, you handle it okay. And that's fine. Well, the other thing I didn't, I, I kind of was like about that too, was the fact that, you know, for the past couple of weeks, we've been seeing these whole fractures between Iris and Nora. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, she's great with, with, with Nora, or she's great with Iris, but now she's having the problem with Barry. Right. Like, can these guys just come together and be a family? Like, well, but that's, that's, but that's a family though. That is true. Yeah, Natalie's buttheads a lot. So, um, the only other things I really want to mention real quick before we move on, because we've we've really covered most of everything. There's really, again, it's a straightforward episode. It's a villain of the week kind of episode. It was. Um, yeah, we we see Weather Wizard two for just a tiny little bit of time. Finding yeah. out he has a daughter that looks almost as old as he is. Yeah. Um, well, he does mention that they had her in high school, yeah. so it, it makes a little true. sense. Absolutely. Um, they kind of wrote that off a little bit, and the cold fusion. Um, reactor that they had at the power plant. You, you really you wouldn't have that inside of a building. It's just kind of outside, hanging out outside without any casing on it. Yeah, sure, exactly. that makes sense. Exactly. Um, and the only other thing I wish they would have done differently in this is made episode. a better flash suit. Oh god, I hate that suit so. Well, much. apparently, from what I understand, we are getting a new cow suit. We better. I think. I it think, looks terrible. I think by after Elseworlds, we are getting a new cow. We better. That it looks. Horrendous. I hate not having the chin strap. No, it's not even that. It looks horrendous. It looks like somebody chopped a bicycle's helmet and put it on his suit. It looks it, really It looks bad. like somebody cosplayed the Flash. It does not look good. It really yeah. does not look good. Um, and I don't mean that disparagingly against cosplayers, because I've seen some fantastic Flash oh, cosplays. This looks like an average cosplayer's version of a Flash. No, movie. this looks like a Ruby's costume you buy at Target. It looks well, bad. That's what I meant by a bad Costume. Well, I wouldn't even put that. People in usually... This looks like a Halloween costume. This okay. looks terrible. Okay. Uh, the, the outfit itself, I'm oh, okay. Oh no, I think that looks terrible. Oh really? Too. You think that's bad? I, too? I, think I just don't like the cow. I think the whole suit looks 
it's one of the worst suits I've ever seen in the air. Well, I think it's going to be changing again. Too, yeah, so I, they, they have to. Uh, I even went on Twitter after that episode, and man, everybody in every post that they had really from the flash things, they're like, "This suit looks bad, guys. You need to do something better." Well, I mean, other than that, I think the only other thing I, I really wish they would have done differently is when Weather Wizard confronts Weather Witch. Uh, I'll allow it. I had to say that too. Um, is instead of it being a hologram, I wish it was Ralph. And that was the way they incorporated Because it was kind of a bummer to not have Ralph at Thanksgiving. He is a part of that family. Yeah. Uh, they, they basically were like, he was visiting family. They didn't even say that. Um, Daniel they never Pat- even mentioned Daniel Panabaker brings that up on Twitter. And uh, it, was, it felt weird. It, it did yeah. feel weird. I wish it could have... You could have made a hologram... Instead of a hologram of Weather Wizard, it could have been Ralph yeah. in that form. Because yeah. he would have survived that that car coming down on him. And because when the, when the car falls and you realize it's a hologram... The hologram is, like, flickering. That's not going to happen from a car falling on it. It's a hologram. Yeah. Like, why is that going to happen? Oh, well, it was because Iris took off the helmet. That's No, why. she still had it on. No, you saw her lift it up, and it may have been that, but I don't know. It, oh, okay. It, or it's just a bad effect. It's still, I think it still would have been better if it was Ralph yeah. as that character rather than a hologram. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's really... It was an okay episode. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a serviceable episode. I'd probably actually say if I had to give it a score, probably got a six. And, and but you know what though I liked the fact be- I liked the fact that it was uh, the cicada backstory that made that was, him a very sympathetic yeah. character. That stuff was great. I think the rest of the episode was me. Yeah, I so, agree with that. All right, let's get to the news. Unfortunately, well, I, oh yeah, just have, next yeah, week. Uh, I'm just going to make it real simple. We get the hundredth episode of the Flash, and it's directed by Tom Cavanaugh, which huge milestone for him, huge milestone for the show. Uh, what's past his prologue, we're going to see a lot of returning characters, which is going to be great. Yeah, so. But let's jump into the news. Okay, uh, we have a little bit to get through here. Uh, I'm going to try to run through this as fast as I can because unfortunately we're running short on time. Yes. Um, so uh, we found out that uh, Birds of Prey is going to be adding somebody new to their production staff. And that is K.K. Barrett, who actually worked on um, her Lost in Translation, Where the Wild Things Are, being John Malkovich and Marie Antoinette. Uh, she is actually going to be the production designer. So really excited to see what they do with that. Um, yeah. That's a... That's a Big get, yeah. So, uh, so they're they're stepping up. Um, but speaking of that, a couple other things in uh, Warner Brothers DC Universe movie news. Uh, we did find out officially in Aquaman, uh, Jason Momoa's kids do have a cameo, so uh, we'll be seeing them. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Just a reminder, we'll be reviewing that movie in just a couple weeks. Yeah, we're actually seeing it a couple days after the Amazon Prime screening, but still an advanced screening of before. It's about a, we're still seeing it about a week before, so we will do the review probably maybe even that night or the night after, and we'll make it spoiler spoiler free. We're not going to ruin the well, movie we'll, for you. What we'll do is maybe what we'll do is we'll record two, and we'll do it right after. Maybe we'll release a special episode because again, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna release finale. it separately so that this way anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet doesn't listen to it and get it spoiled. So maybe what we'll do. How about this? Let's we'll, we'll do something new. We'll record two versions of it. One will add tacked into the episode with the mid-season finale, so we don't have to cover it that week because we'll have a lot to cover. Yeah, um, and we'll also have a second one that'll be released as well. That'll be the spoiler review. Yes, that'll be released by itself. So, so this way, if any, like I said, if anybody's seen the movie yet, you yes. can wait to listen to that one so, until after you've seen the. So movie. you can you can hear our discussions in a spoiler-filled special edition yes. episode. So I like that idea. I think that'll work well. Um, so, uh, again, Jason Momoa's kids having that cameo in Aquaman. The scores are coming in, and they're great. I know. I can't um, wait. I really can't wait. And, again, their embargo lifts a week before. Yeah, um, so we'll be able to talk about it after we see it, which yeah. is really cool. Um, so we're seeing it the day the embargo lifts. Yep. 
So it, it lifts that night. And uh, that's a good sign, uh, a week before. So they're apparently not afraid. And that already screened in China. That blew up. Other reactions have been phenomenal. Yeah. So, um, so really excited to see. All right. Also, Warner Brothers is also apparently developing two other films, one of them being a Zatanna film, which is pretty surprising. Nobody saw that one coming. Uh, but um, I, I guess this is a sidestep because uh, Justice League Dark has been uh, a movie constantly in development. And she's a character that was associated with that for a long time. Uh, so I think this is proof positive that that Justice League Dark movie is probably never happened. No, it's, I think it's on the shelf and probably for, for good. For good. And I think we're, they're breaking out. And um, one of the things that's kind of interesting is now Warner Brothers has got several uh, big female-led superhero films. And it seems like that might be their, their new entry point. Um, I think it's the way to go for them. Because if you look at the success of Wonder Woman, that's definitely... So you think about it, we're going to have a Birds of Prey film. Uh, we have Wonder Woman 2 on the way. And Nail Satana potentially mm-hmm. on the works. And Batgirl and Supergirl. Yeah. Um, and we know they're all in active development, um, which is more to say about two other films we'll talk about in just a moment. But okay. in addition to that, there's another superhero film that's uh, really awesome, too. And this is also, and I'm going to say this, and it's one of the statements uh, we say on Caffeine Crew, uh, is representation matters. Because we absolutely here believe that's the case. So what better way to also add to that mix than doing a Blue Beetle film starting Jaime Reyes? Yeah. Now, um, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I've, I'm not as familiar with the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle well, as I am. Because with, of Young Justice. Because of Young Justice. Right. But, and that is my familiarity into it. But I'm more, I'm more Ted Cord yeah. Blue Beetle than I am Jaime Reyes. But I'm still really looking forward to a Jaime Reyes live action Blue Beetle. Well, what's to say that they couldn't have Ted Cord in this movie? That's true. They really so. could. Uh, which would be awesome. Uh, but jumping into some news that's not a big surprise to us, uh, especially now. One movie that we know that's been on the rocks for a little bit of time over at Warner Brothers has been Man of Steel 2. Um, not a big surprise, but apparently the other one though that's also losing a lot of momentum at the studio is the Urza Miller flash film. Which, um, not also very surprised about. So, which is a shame because the people involved in that film were really Moving yeah. forward quickly. But I have a feeling that right now, because of Fantastic Beasts, that's really going to step into Urza Miller's He's time. got five more films to do. Well, no, not five. He has three more to do. Because it's only five films. Oh, that's right. There's five films. That's right. Yeah. Um, so they only have three more to do, but that's going to really eat up a lot yeah. of his time. And because, without spoiling anything for anyone... He is a very big character. He's a, he has a very important role in that series. Yeah. And he's going to be tapped for big things. And I think right now, Warner Brothers has a little bit to be concerned about because Fantastic Beast's critical reception was not good for the second or the second film in that series. Yeah. Uh, it scored the lowest of any Wizarding World project uh, by a significant number. Which is a shame because I did enjoy the movie. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And, uh, I know I'm, you haven't. That's why I, I haven't seen anything. I'm really hoping to see it soon. Yeah. Uh, but I think Warner Brothers is trying to be as careful and cautious as humanly possible mm-hmm. because I think they want to make sure that they have a star behind it that's going to really matter. Uh, and I think they may have a concern because of the way that Fantastic Beast uh, 2 did uh, get viewed by people. Yeah. And uh, they may be like... Don't get me wrong. All three of those movies... The, the, the remaining three movies are coming out. They're oh, yeah. not going to stop them. No. They'll, they'll tighten up. Yeah. That's what will happen. So, uh, so yeah. So, like I said, it's a big wait and see on what's going to happen with those two films if Man of Steel 2 or The Flash do move forward. So, mm-hmm. uh, And I think... Aquaman is going to really be what matters going forward across oh, yeah. and see what happens next. Sure. We know Shazam is next after this, and then Wonder Woman too. I forgot about Shazam. All right. Uh, jumping into a little bit of video game news real quick. We talked uh, at great lengths in the past about a potential Rocksteady Superman game. Uh, then there was a lot more that came out about it, saying the game was potentially called World's Finest. 
Um, and then we said, hey guys, don't be surprised if you see this at the Game Awards this coming week. Rocksteady officially came out just today and said, officially, guys, a lot of stuff has been leaking. We can tell you for a fact we will not be at the Game Awards. I know our project indeed is not Superman. Um, Stop toying with us, Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Rocksteady's been quiet for a long time, and they have two teams. So nobody's really quite sure what's coming. There's been some rumors that one of their next upcoming games is a game of games of service type game, kind of in the realm of stuff like Overwatch and Fortnite. Which well, is, wasn't Red Dead Rocksteady? No, that's Rockstar. Rocks. Oh, okay, that's why I said Rockstar instead of Rocksteady. Okay. The last thing Rocksteady did was Batman: Arkham Knight and Arkham VR. Oh, so it has been a while. Since yeah, it's been quite it. a while. Yeah. So it's been about two years, and Arkham VR was a small project. Yeah. So they've been working on something big behind the scenes for quite some time, because uh, even the Batman: Arkham Origins team has been fairly quiet too. Because uh, that's a separate team than Rocksteady. Uh, that was uh, WB Montreal. So uh, it's a big wait and see what they're working on. There's been a lot of rumblings that the WB Montreal studio is the team that's been working on that Harry Potter game uh, that had a two or three minutes leak a couple months ago that is now impossible to find online. Uh, but that looked gorgeous. But more than likely, that's Montreal and Rocksteady's working on some big something big DC-related. But don't be surprised if that's going to be two projects. And I would not be surprised if we don't find out about that now until next E3. Um, so it's a big wait and see. I do want something though. Um, I think it, I think it's, it may be a while now if, if this is the case. Yeah. So who's now? All right. Uh, jumping into some other things going on. Uh, unfortunately we have a little bit of, uh, upsetting news. Sounds like Black Lightning's, uh, television producer is in a bit of trouble. That, uh, showrunner Salima Kill has been, uh, apparently getting sued, um, uh, because, uh, there's, was some abuse with a, uh, an actress in the past, um, and it does not sound good. So uh, we feel horrible to hear, um, you know, anything is uh, if anybody was really in, seriously injured in this process. Yeah. But uh, things are not looking looking good. So if that's the case, like we saw previously, uh, Warner Brothers does not mess around. Uh, oh no! I mean, uh, they already everything with Kreisberg and Andrew Kreisberg stuff. Like yeah. I said, they replaced showrunners pretty quickly. Don't be surprised if Selena Kill is, is removed very quickly yeah. and very soon because uh, it sounds like a lot of this is coming out. This is very, very much true. They'll investigate, but if it comes out as true, they, it, it sounds like the investigation has already begun, and it sounds like it is true. Okay. Um, so again, we can't state more than that than this. If we'll give you guys a follow up as it happens, yeah. but. It sounds like uh, that is the case. So uh, our our hearts go out to anybody that was potentially impacted, or uh, you know, absolutely don't that deals with this. So on to the rest of the TV side of things. I went to some better things. Uh, we found out a little bit about the synopsis for Elseworlds, uh, and I'll read them out. This is just again very light, but it's parts one, part two, and part three. Um, parts one officially when Barry Allen and Oliver Queen wake up one morning and realize they have swapped bodies with each other. The two set off to find what disturbed the timeline to cause such a shift. However, things quickly go from bad to worse when they present their case to Team Flash, and the gang doesn't believe them. Barry and Oliver realize they need Supergirl's help and travel to Smallville on Earth-38, where they end up meeting with Kara's cousin Clark Kent and intrepid reporter Lois Lane. Um, let's see here. And then part two, taking place on the following night. The Elseworlds crossover continues in Gotham City with Batwoman, with Oliver and Barry still stuck in others' body, uh, in each other's bodies. The two get a lead on John Degan, uh, the head, and uh, uh, head to Gotham City with Supergirl to figure out why the realities have changed. While there, they meet with the mysterious Kate Kane, who provides them with information that leads the group to Arkham, Arkham Asylum. James Bamford directs that episode, though. Ooh. So, uh, and then Elseworlds Part Three: The battle concludes. Supergirl, Flash, Green Arrow, and Superman engage in the battle of their lives. Uh, that's all we have to go on. So, um, there's, a, I mean. 
God, I, we could talk more about the crossover next week because it's the week before. But yeah. Then, God, there's so much I want to talk about. All right. We still got a couple we're, of yeah, we're short on time. So, unfortunately, we'll have probably, you may hear people walk into our house in just a moment. So, yeah. we apologize. Uh, Stephen Amell teases also a big moment for Elseworlds that it's going to be huge for Smallville fans. Uh, we have no idea what this could be. No, could, I can't wait to see. It I could really be can't. So, just, uh, We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Yeah. Uh, but also, we do know two other people returning. Uh, we do see that Diaz is a cop, but also playing another cop, John Barrowman. The return of Barrowman. So, like I said, we'll see that very soon. Uh, jumping over to Arrow real fast as well. Uh, the official title for episode 150 has been released, and that is going to be titled The Emerald Archer, which I think is a great, fantastic thing. Also, jumping into Flash, another person returning that we're very excited about is Zach Stentz. Writer of The Runaway Dinosaur and some of our other favorite episodes of The Flash is returning for a new episode that'll be appearing in the second half of the season. Um, like I said, he has definitely given us some of our absolute favorite episodes of the show so far. Yeah. So, very, very excited. The Runaway Dinosaur is so good. What Zach is going to bring. Um, jumping into a little bit about that two-part mid-season uh, mid finale for Legends of Tomorrow. Katie Laws and Brandon Roth were the ones that did give us that information that that indeed will be the case. That this will kind of carry across two episodes. But somebody we did find out that's going to be involved <laughs> in one of those episodes, we don't know where exactly, is uh, we found out that Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, is going to be making an appearance. Oh, at, and he's not hes not Paul Rubens. He's, he's coming on as, as Pee Wee Herman, Herman which, which is, is fantastic. So <laughs> really excited to see what they do with that. And I apologize, I'm like rambling through these as quickly as I can. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, we're, we're again, we're kind of pushed, pressed for time. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the last couple stories headed on to the DC Universe streaming service. Uh, Stargirl, we have found out officially that Yvette Monrell and then Christopher James Baker are both been cast in mysterious, undisclosed DC character roles <laughs> for that show. So we'll find out about that more soon. Um, like I said, uh, you know, Monroe is known for faking it. Rainbow Five, The Last Blood, uh, and The Fosters. <laughs> and then Baker's filmography includes True Detective, Ozark, and The Purge Election Years. So, we'll see that more and more soon. Jumping into a little bit of Light Titan stuff, uh, Connor Leslie uh, teases that we're going to also be seeing Wonder Girl's classic costume appear. She just recently made her first appearance in the show, which also brought in some big revelations about some other big DC characters. I can't wait until we talk about um, the show. And we're really pumped to talk about that. So yeah. we'll we'll get into that when we start talking Titans uh, in just a couple weeks. So that's only four weeks out, guys, and then yeah. we'll start breaking that show down. And last but not least, if you're huge fans of Young Justice, the new Young Justice Outsiders trailer has been released. You can check that out on our page at facebook.com slash DC primetime. And that's it for the news this week. Cool. Uh, any recommendations from you this week? I, I don't I don't think I have any, to be honest. I was too busy with packs and everything this week to really even think of one. Um, actually, I do have one quick one, and it's very outside of the realm. But make sure to head over to... Not head over anywhere. But um, actually, <laughs> check out uh, the Game Awards this coming week. Um, that'll be live-streamed, I think, this coming Friday, Friday night. yeah. Uh, I forget the time, but you can check. Is it, it out. Friday or is it Thursday? Friday night. Okay, I think it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday night. They always go Friday night. Uh, but uh, apparently, there's going to be some big reveals, so we'll see what happens. But if you're a gamer, check it out. Cool. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything. Um, I, like I said, I, I didn't really have much time to to do to come up with anything, so I apologize for that. Uh, cheap plugs, and then we can we can get going. But you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network at www.nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, Facebook.com slash 
Next Level Radio Online, and the Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash Primetime, as Rob had just earlier mentioned. And, of course, you can now follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DC Primers. And for me, you can always find me at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Captain Crew cast of pods. Our next episode is recording tomorrow night, which is our Mel Brooks episode, so you'll be hearing that before the end of this week. Um, so really looking forward to doing that one. Unfortunately, Ben won't be able to join us, but we'll be seeing Hugh Jackman do some singing. I'll be in New York to see Hugh Jackman sing, so So, I'm okay with it. Uh, but it'll be a smaller (laughs) cast, and then, uh, we'll be prepping for our Christmas episode, which will be, uh, probably quite uh, quite some fun. And we might actually still record that still in December, so we might get a double dose. If not, we'll do it January. Shortly after the new year, I'm sure. Yeah, like I said, it's the downside about the holidays. It's really hard to get people around the table, so, but it's coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for me. Uh, cool. So next week, all four shows, including uh, the 100th episode of The Flash, which should be a lot of fun to talk about. Hopefully we'll have John Wesley ship on, I'm not sure, possibly this week, this coming week, following. if not the following. So you'll either hear the interview with him next week uh, or after the crossover. It depends on when they're going to allow us to, re- to release the interview, actually, because, like I said... His rep has to go through Warner Brothers to make sure there's not an embargo. Right, there might be some stipulations. On the interview that they can't, we can talk about him with the crossover, but we can't, um, we can't release it until after the crossover airs. So, within the next week or two, you'll get to hear that interview. Uh, But until next week, guys, thank you for being a part of the community. Thank you for liking, subscribing, all that you do. If you decide to leave us a uh, review on iTunes, please do so. We'll review it on the podcast. Uh, But until next week, guys, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.